Hi everyone, welcome back again to our little green pasture. I pray everybody is doing well and better than well, but are blessed. I pray you're thirsty and that you are hungry. I have been so hungry for Jesus lately, but in a deeper, greater way, like I could feel a growth spurt coming on. And I was laying awake in the middle of the night talking to him saying, Lord, take me higher and take me deeper and take me wider and lengthen my cords and stretch forth my tent pegs. And I thought about the way of the Lord that it's always an increase. Everything's always increasing with him, right? It says, we who with unveiled faces do reflect the glory of the Lord, for he is changing us into his likeness with ever increasing glory and king james that's new king james but uh king james says from glory to glory but that's an increase so everything with him is meant to grow in us and to increase everything is meant started out at a seed and you become at some point even in your old age a blessing to the lord like it says in psalm 92 14 it says that the uh people that uh that the old people will sting still bring forth fruit in old age that's what it says for they shall still bring forth fruit in old age like the cedars of lebanon amen and you know that's what we are we are a planting of the lord that he may be glorified and in another translation it says for the display of his splendor amen that's why you're alive that's why you breathe his air and you are a child of the house you have the spirit of adoption right now right now and you have a wonderful heavenly father who's very interested in your life so i want to uh just jump right into it and just say a few words i just want to welcome all the new subscribers so welcome and thank you for everybody who sends me the best emails i get such great emails from you guys and and so many prayers and so much support I, i'm just so grateful for all of you because i know it's him i know it's him and i just love all of you very much i pray that will always be the aroma of this little wild flower of a child his child so today i'm going to talk about something i think has been so hammered into the ground but i want to revive it and that is being workmen for the Lord. And, you know, by this time in human history, the postmodern Christian world, there's so many verses and so many sayings and so many words that they've been used for so long. Now, the word of God never loses its power, but there's something lost in things where it's like, yeah, yeah, we've all heard that, you know, even scriptures, it's like even people who don't even have a heart for the lord they'll say i know i know for god so loved the world and it's like in that way it's lost its power with in the world but god's word is power it will never come back void so we're gonna i'm gonna talk not we because i'm talking <laughs> so hopefully this word will be a river of living water that will flow into your vessels that you too can go forth and let those waters Flow because everything we receive from the Lord is not meant for us to keep. Remember, and I was thinking about something earlier today. Never be territorial with God's word. Even if you received a word from him and maybe you're afraid to share it with a person or certain people because you're afraid they'll steal your idea <laughs> or something like that. Remember, God's word is not yours. It's his and it flows through us it is his life let it flow never be territorial about if you have a bible study or <clears throat> anything at all because nothing is yours and if you truly are the lord's then you have relinquished your right to everything even your own life even your own soul so let the living waters flow and don't let the enemy try to tell you to share certain things with only some people or certain things with other people because it's his word let's be those beautiful riverbeds of god so today i'm going to talk about 
working for God. So, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, we love you so much. All of us want to know you more. Lord, open our eyes to see you brighter and brighter. For we are your children, the righteous, those who have been made justified by your blood. Lord, that are on that path that shines brighter and brighter and to the perfect day of eternity. I pray that these words that I will speak, that Lord Jesus, that they would be bathed in heaven first, and that Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit lead me, because you are that great shepherd of the sheep. And I was thinking in the middle of the night, Lord, I was thinking of Psalm 29, I call it the seven voices of God, although you have one voice. And it begins to say, the voice of the Lord is powerful, the voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord, it goes on to say, cleaves the flames of fire, makes the hinds to calve, and so forth. So, Lord, it is your voice, I pray they hear, that they would hear the sound of your voice. And that, Lord, you would have mercy on me and let your grace be upon me. Lord, as I give your word, the way I believe, not just the way I believed, how you showed it to me in the light of your glory and grace in Jesus name. Amen. I just love prayer, don't you? It means so much to me. And I know it means so much to you. So, you know, over the last uh, few months, I was praying something, and I know you guys will understand, many of you, but you know how uh, we're given maybe something to do, I mean, maybe something different than, I mean, outside of our regular duties and appointments and schedules, something that we know that the Lord has led us to do. And every now and then, we want to check back in with the Lord because we're very sensitive and careful that we're not taking over where he has ended that call or commission or a work or something, whatever it may be for us to do. And so I was checking back in with him over the last month and I was really looking to him saying, Lord, you know, you've been so good to me. I'm just your vessel. This field notes, this little green pasture is yours and I'm yours. And I said, I just want you to know I will not be territorial over it. I, I know it's not mine. I know it's yours. And I started to wonder, Joni, what would you do if God had you do something else? Not, God, God's not having me do anything else. So that's not why I'm saying this. It looks like I'm here to stay for the duration. So praise the Lord, right? Um, but we want to be honest with him, don't we? Don't you want to be clear with the Lord? I mean, he's clear to us when he speaks to us. I, When I read his word, I don't see him backpedaling. He just says it like it is. Even when Nicodemus came and visited him, when he said, Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that you do, lest God be with them. Jesus didn't even answer that about what they thought or the question. He just said, marvel not at this. You must be born again. You know, Jesus answers in his own way. He moves in his own way. And his thoughts are nothing the way you think. I mean, I was, I, I, I'll tell you something. This this poor girl, I she's so sweet. I um, My husband and I, we have a little golf cart and we drive it. We like to take it down to the pier. And, and we saw this people, there's like three people and they had these signs and it was, they were trying to lead people to the Lord. And and this girl came walking to us and we were like, praise the Lord. And she came forward to us. And, and uh, as she started to share with us her whole persona, I mean, she, you could tell she was a, a lover of the Lord. She began to tell us she had a rough life, that she was married to an unbeliever. Um, but her whole entire persona, her whole being was, but I don't want to grieve the spirit. I don't want to grieve. She said that like so many times. And so many times we kept saying her, the only way you're going to grieve the spirit is if you outright reject him and go into sin. 
So you're don't walk on eggshells around the Lord. And no matter what we did to try to assure her, um, we would whatever verses I would come up with, she would finish them off or the ones that she knew. And it was more like um, she had this protective shield and she was using the word the wrong way. And that told me how deeply in pain and wounded this person was because I was there. And I'm going to say that because um, it's important for us. Your testimony is real and it's part of your work that you do for Christ. Never separate the two. Jesus didn't separate it. Yes, he was the word. He spoke the word. But as he lived and what he was seeing, what he was experiencing was going into bearing the testimony of salvation. And I'm sure like there's so many things that are written about Jesus, probably things he said encounters he had with other people that is gospel writers matthew mark luke and john witnessed and saw or maybe peter saw and heard that are not written it's not something the holy spirit felt that uh, he deemed it to be important though i'm sure it was but you know there's so many people they want to serve the lord but they get caught in between the either or the or they want to say well I'm going to serve the Lord, those that are self-called. I'm going to serve the Lord. And let me say that not as a, a repudiation, a looking down, but to say um, everybody who gets that love in them from Jesus Christ, and they, they, they're, especially if they're fully unloved, I was there. It's like, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that. But my life was not prepared for the greater things that I wanted to do. And, um, and there were things I still had to go through. But right where you're at, you can work right where right where you're what you're doing, because the first thing you have to realize when you're um, about working for the Lord. Is that um, we're not workers by our own choice, OK, though we can do a work and I don't want to get down that rabbit trail because there's things I've done where I didn't feel the Lord leading me and maybe I did some things for a while, but. For some reason, God allowed it and he blessed it and good came from it. Then there were times I did things and it wasn't blessed. It wasn't allowed by God and it was a disaster. But I praise the Lord for every disaster. Be thankful for every disaster, for every slip and fall because you rose again. And that's how you learn to run your race. How do you think you're going to? Because, see, I'm going to talk to you about 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And it's where Paul asserts his, apost his apostolic character. And he talks about running the race. He talks about winning the incorruptible crown. But we don't start off running. We start out crawling. And then we try to walk. You know the whole deal, right? But you see, you have to, you can't you can't bury your testimony and just preach the word of God. And so that word preach seems to always um, fit in the thoughts of people who say, well, I could never preach the word. I am so shy. If anybody even asks me to pray, my armpits start sweating. I start stuttering. I start sweating. The Holy Spirit would never put you out on front street to do something, um, you know, he knows you're uncomfortable with. But then sometimes he will. Okay, so the person who calls themselves. Um, and we all have to go through that because we're testing the waters and we have to learn that we have to trust the Lord and wait on him to be led by him and know what it feels to be prompted by the Holy Spirit and to feel that tap on our shoulder, so to speak. Go join yourself with that chariot, you know, whatever he wants, wherever you're at, whatever you do in life. And the second thing to understand is he calls you right where you're at. and that when you begin to work from him, um, the best thing to do is stay put. Don't start asking him to move you here, move you there, do this, do that. It'll never work. You're jumping the gun and he's never going to do it. When he calls you, just like he says in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 7, he says, are you called being a servant? Then be the Lord's free man. Are you called being a free man? Be the Lord's servant. So, um, there, I want to say that, uh, I want to pause right there because I want to go back to what I was praying. 
And so, you know, I was really, really getting before the Lord and really asking him, Lord, I want to be honest. And there was a part of me that felt afraid to pray that because I thought, what if he said, you're not going to do this anymore? And I felt gripped in fear in a way. I was like, what would I do, Lord? And I mean, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You've seen my whole life. You know, I'm a scrapper. You know, I'm a survivor. You know, I'm a perseverer, if that's a word. I said, but I just want to be honest with you, Lord. I want to know that I'm in your will. And so I realized that in my wrestling with God, I started to feel this grip of God. I started to feel this, this he, had a, he has a grip on me. And like, Lord, am I, and I kept saying to him, Lord, am I truly called or am I not? And I know that may seem crazy to you because many of you may say, Joni, how can you say that? But shouldn't we all be clear? Shouldn't we all be honest? Shouldn't we all come to Jesus personally without anybody around us where we can just say, Lord, am I in your will? Am I doing your will or am I going a warfare at my own charges? I want to know. I don't, especially being 60 years old, I don't want to waste a second of his time that he purchased. He didn't just purchase your body and your soul. He purchased your whole life. And that means that we get to a point where we need to relinquish everything if you truly have a heart to work for Jesus Christ. You know, it's not going to be in the field next to you. It's not going to be in what somebody else is doing. Be careful not to measure yourselves with others that measure themselves or to compare yourself with others that compare compare yourself because Paul says that's not wise. Because you see, I just want to talk a little bit more about that, um, about us not really, that we are not workers by our own choice. It says in John 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now notice a lot of people like to truncate that saying and say, well, look, because they're so desperate to have prayers answered that they cut that first part off and say, the Lord says, whatsoever we ask the Father in his name, he'll give it to us. Um, he's not a vending machine. He's our Father in heaven. He's pure. Um, he dwells in inapproachable light. He's holy. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are his ways our ways. Um, his ways are higher than the heavens, even the heavens of heavens. And he's chosen us. And that is a very humble position that we need to see. We need to realize. And I think a lot that um, a lot of the things that maybe you're learning and many of you have learned and many people are going to church and they're learning or reading their Bibles and learning and reading other um, inspired works. But something has, one thing has not happened is that much of this has not, it has, you have not entered into the reality of it. You're standing on the outside of it, like on the outer court of the temple, wondering, looking, well, I'm getting a peek when the double doors open. I guess I can kind of see the doors into the Holy of Holies. Oh, there's a part of the candlestick. But you see, God wants you to enter into the reality of your new birth. And in that new birth, it's not just your, you know, okay, run your race and do all these things. And, um, but notice he says, he starts off, you've not chosen me, I chose you. Okay, that's stage one. Stage two, so he chose you and ordained you that for what? that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. Notice how personal that is, that you should bring forth your fruit, that your fruit should remain. Are you a fruit bearing tree? Or are you a deceptive tree, like a fig tree that you just have leaves, so you have big pomp, and it looks like, look, you have fruit, and people are starving, and they come to you, but you have no matter within you. You're an empty vine. You don't want to be that because a lot of people can speak these words and they can they can copy what somebody else says. They can memorize scriptures or quote somebody, but they don't have that rich reality and that matter of the Holy Spirit. He says that you're whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he would give it to you. For what? What are you asking him for? That you should bear much fruit. And that fruit is by the life of Jesus Christ within you, by the Holy Spirit. 
So I'm going to stop right here. And I'm going to read chapter 9, starting at verse 11 through 17. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about the holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I've used none of these things. Neither have I written these things that I should be, it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. In verse 18, I'll read. Verily that, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. And so verse 19, for though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant of all that I may gain more. And you know, um, I think to people like, there's so many people that when they read that gospel, um, you know, we see a life given over to the service of God. He's not just, he's just not compelled. It's like there's a grip of God on him. And so God is taking care of him in his life. And, you know, I, I know it says the preaching of the gospel. But doesn't our life, if you're not standing at a pulpit, if, if you're not a leader of anything, not everybody wants to be a leader. Not everybody has that gift. There are other beautiful, powerful gifts. And whatever your gift is, and you're flowing in it, you know it. There's something that has gripped you. You know, the pattern for God's workers are that we are entrusted with a mission. No different than Moses and Paul. And we have to be put in God's hands so that we also can plant men on a rock as he's planted us. Because that's our mission. And not by our own testimony only, but because we are being made co-workers for Christ. And as workers, we are to testify. We're to testify. And the testimony is the nature of this life, the life that we live right here. There is one clear note that I see in this, that the servant of God has to go through experience of things before he can really testify, he or she. So the longer you live, the greater power of your testifying is and will become part of your work. So what are you testifying to? There's a lot of people, they can say, this is what Jesus says, and this is what the Lord's saying, and this, and this, and this. But their testimony doesn't agree. They don't have a testimony. Or if they have one, they don't combine their testimony. Let me testify of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's testimony and focus was Jesus Christ and him crucified and the power of his resurrection. He is the central fact, the central core, the focus. And it comes through a your testimony of your being, of your life. Because where you are put, in many places, you know, all of us, we have lived, you know, in different places. I'm not, you know, look, I don't want to, you know, talk about my personal life. I'll just put it out there randomly. There's many of you, you're, you live in houses with people that are unfriendly to the word. Um, your life just seems kind of dull, but there's something that's gripped you. See, this is what he's saying. Look, I mean, it starts off in the beginning where he's like, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? He's talking about, am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? And he says, are you not my work in the Lord? He, if I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. 
You see, his work wasn't just doing this and doing that. His apostleship, his character wasn't that, what can I get monetarily? What can be done for me? Because he's saying, look, he's like all these other, other disciples or apostles. He goes, look, look at, he was talking about um, Cephas. When he says, have we not power to lead about a sister or wife as well as other apostles and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas or I only and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? Who goes a warfare any time at his own charges? Who plants a vineyard and eats not the fruit thereof? Or who feeds a flock and eats not the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man or saith not the law the same also for it is written in the law of Moses, thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn does not god care for the oxen so he's saying here listen you've got it all wrong okay look i get everybody has this freedom i have this freedom too and my focus my central fact focus is my apostleship is you being my work in the lord and when he says here um in verse 15 it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory void I mean, tell me that isn't not a grip. That that is a that is the grip of God. You know, he was called to preach. And maybe you're not called to preach, like I said. But there's something God wants you to do. There's something, it's more than a compelling. It's it's greater than yourself. You know, look, there has to be when here's 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 what I feel about just in my own personal self, that there has to be an agonizing grip of God because, he, you know, it's like, like I said, this word, he says, that for though I preach in verse 16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of for necessity is laid upon me. Yeah, woe is, yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. In essence, he's saying the whole, his whole life is in the grip of God for this one thing. Like he's saying, I can't turn to the right hand or the left. I'm here for one purpose, to preach the gospel. How many of us are held like that by God? How many of us? You know what? Because once he's got that grip on you, no one can talk you out of it. No one can, like him, they tried to kill him. He was dragged out of Derby. He was dead. He came back to life again. He went back in. Nothing. They can't stone it out of you. They can't whip it out of you. They can't. Satan can't shipwreck you out of it. Um, it's not 40 stripes, three times minus one, 39 stripes. Beaten. They can't beat it out of you. There's something, another life in you that says, I'm not, though I, that says, I would rather die. He says, it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. You know, there is something to say about that. You know, God buries his people in the midst of ordinary and common things. Look at my life. It's just totally common. I know I live a very common and a humble life and I like it. But think about something. God puts his workers where he puts his son let me say that to you again god puts his workers where he puts his son so you don't have to ask god send me here lord send me there you you have to be right where you're at i was talking to somebody today and i was telling them about uh, something I read from a woman who said, I'm sure she's home with the Lord by now. And she said, there was a, a time I wanted to hear from the Lord. And I thought to myself, I know, I'll go to the beach. I'll go to his ocean. And I'll stand there on the shore and look out at that vast ocean. For there I know I will hear his voice in that big, broad, beautiful place. She said, so I went to the ocean, but I didn't hear his voice, so I left. And then I went home and I thought to myself, I know, 
I'll go to the mountains. There I'll meet him. I'm sure I'll hear his voice there. Maybe that's where he wants me to go. And then she got, she went up to the mountains and she said, and when I got there, there was nothing. I didn't hear his voice. I heard nothing. And then I went home. And then when I went home, it was there that I heard his voice speaking to me. See, we're so busy thinking that we have to go somewhere, that we have to do something, but that's not how it works. See, anything that we try to do, God, I'm sure will honor if you're doing it in sincerity and love towards him. I'm certain of it, but there's something different. Do you know the stamp of the worker is gripped by God? And it's a slow work. It's one person here and one person there at a time being one for God. And you know, there has to be a total dependence on God and his word and movement, because if not, there is a danger of exploiting his Bible. We start taking over the Bible. We start making it obey us. And we start taking it where we will. But a true worker knows they've been called of God. And there is a fear. And there's a true knowing that no matter what, because I'll tell you, once you know you have that call and you acknowledge it, even if you haven't done anything yet, I've experienced it, that uh, it takes over and God has to train you in it. Okay? Now the enemy will be trying to have a battle royal with you, but don't shrink from it. He knows you've been called. You know, Paul's whole soul, mind, and heart were taken up with the great matter of what Jesus did. And he never lost sight of that one thing, as I mentioned earlier. And I love this translation. For when I first came to you, brethren, I did not come to you in weakness. I did not come to you um, with eloquence or superior knowledge. I think that's how it goes. Um, as I uh, proclaim to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling, for my message was not with wise or persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. You know, I would even go as far as saying, don't, don't attempt to work and serve God unless you actually really mean business. Because once you do, however, then you will find that if you really do, let, let me differentiate that. Say you feel in your heart very strongly, like, Lord, I don't know what it is. I just feel like I need to serve you and I don't know what it is you want me to do. I can't see it. I don't know it. I don't understand it. I can't tell what's happening to me. But one thing I do know, one thing I know is that, Lord, I feel strongly in the deepest part of myself and my spirit, man, that, Lord, I must serve you. And I could feel it. I know it. I feel like it's turning me inside out. I have to serve you. And then there's this wrestling. There is this wrestling because I remember the same thing happened to me where I was thinking, Lord, I know, like I felt this call on my life. Did I know it was a call back then? No, because there was no one around to say, Joan, you're, you have a call on your life. But praise the Lord, everything I learned was from the Lord and certain inspired books that he made sure he wanted me to read. Because it does say in uh, Hebrews 6.12, it says, be ye follow, it says, be not slothful, but be ye followers of them who by patience and faith obtained the promises. And so God wants us to follow them who followed that path. And so I was, I was basically wrestling like, Lord, what is it? Lord, what is it? And you know what? That is how I can tell you. That's how you know. Because no one, it's so powerful and it's so deep within. No one can come and say, you're out of your mind. You can't just go and serve the Lord. You can't just do this or you can't do that. It's like, look at David. In chapter 16 and 17, I believe it was 17 of 1 Samuel, when Jesse sent David, the youngest of all of uh, 
Jesse's sons, he said, look, take this food over to your brothers and find out how they're doing and bring me word back again about him. And he went there and his first brother said to him, Eli Eliab, he's like, what are you doing here? Why aren't you with that few sheep that you were with? Okay, in other words, he said, what have I ever done to you? Right, he's just being told to do what his father Jesse told him to do. And then he comes across uh, some men and he's like, what's going on? What's up with that giant? They're like, well, that giant's coming down morning and evening for the last 40 days. He goes down into the Valley of Elah and he taunts us. And he says, whosoever will beat the Philistines, are you, if you beat us, you're going to be our servants. But if we beat you, we'll be, we'll be your servants. And then he was questioning the soldiers that were around as one of the soldiers went to King Saul and said, hey, David's Jesse's son, David is out there. And he's saying, because he was telling the soldiers, who was this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy? the God of Israel. So when King Saul heard of it, he said, bring him in here. And he went to him. And what was his word? He said, um, he questioned him and he said, look, I tore apart a lion and a bear with my own hands to save the sheep. And, um, and you know, he was showing him, look, I'm fit to go. I'm, I'm ready to go. I understand he was probably only 16, 15 or 16 at best. And so Saul put his armor on and I think to myself, you know, really what a kind of funny thing to say, because we know that Saul was head and shoulders above all men. He stood out and that's why people were like, ooh, and that's why even Samuel, when he went to his house, when he saw Eliab, he must've looked like Saul because he said, ooh, this must be the one the Lord has chosen. And God said, no, that's not who I've chosen. For I don't, forgot, I don't look at the, appear, the outward appearance of a man. I look at the heart. And so here you're looking at a little boy whose heart is after God's as a baby, a little boy. I mean, what does a 16 year old kid know? And so then he put on that armor. Can you imagine how ridiculous that looked? Like, of course he couldn't walk in it. It was too big and heavy. But you know what I love? He went down into that valley and he chose five smooth stones. And that giant said who are you that you come against me like a dog like a flea he goes who are you he said i'm going to take off your head today and i'm going to throw your body on the in the in the midst of the field and the birds of the air are going to come and eat it and he was like um no but actually the opposite's going to happen today but you know he chose five smooth stones and i wonder sometimes like on a little off note here there's a story in that. He put him in a shepherd's bag. Maybe we should have an under shepherd's bag ourselves. And choosing those five smooth stones. Five is a number of grace after all. So let me get back on track. He was told three times, there's no way you can do it. Are you kidding? That man's, that, like Saul said, he's been a warrior since his youth. But you know what? There was a grip on David. He was like, I know what I can do because in the power of the Holy Spirit, he tore apart that lion and the bear. And there's other other uh, trails that you can go down. But the point I want to keep you focused on is um, once you know you have a calling, it may never be preaching. It may never be crossing the oceans. It may never be climbing mountains to indigenous peoples. But I'll tell you something. If you stop and think about where you're at right now, I'm not saying it's everything is perfect. I know there's certain situations and I want to say this, if you're in an abusive situation, this message is not for you except to trust the Lord to get you out of it. So be, I want to be careful because you want to be healed and you want to be free from abuse. And I have to say that because I know a lot of people who are hurting watch this show. So I'm not saying as a blanket statement that wherever God has called you and where you're at, you need to work. Or not, you know, that there's not need to work, but there's a call on your life to work. Yours right now is to seek the Lord for deliverance from the home you're in, from the abusive life that you're living. And then that will become part of your testimony and Christ will get you out of it. So um, I really want to say that once God has put his call upon you, there is a woe to you. 
if you turn to the right hand or the left. And God will do with you what he never did with you before. And he will do with you what he's not going to do with other people. You have to let him have his way. I want to finish by saying this. I was talking to someone yesterday and it was kind of debatey, debatey a little bit. And I just squelched it and I said, look, there's nothing to debate about. I said, you know, the one thing Paul did is he always pointed to heaven. He saw it for himself. And the Pauline doctrine is always about, of course, character building and walking in Jesus's way. But you know what? It's to run your race is to finish your course and to keeping the faith and to receive the incorruptible crown. I want to remind you of a story. Many of you have heard it and it's, uh, his, it's in history. And it was about these 40 wrestlers who wrestled for Nero and they were his men and there were no one mightier than these 40 wrestlers. They were men's men. They were mighty in physical power, statue, stature, I'm sure their appearance was awesome to look at and they were his personal wrestlers and there was no one like them. And uh, there came a day where word came to Nero that there was someone or some people in his army that had been converted to Christianity. And remember all Roman emperors were deified. So if anybody was a born again Christian, became a Christian, that means they were rejecting his godship and bowing to another god and that meant your death so we know about the martyr period so this was the martyrs era and so these and so nero called vespasian his general and he said i want you to gather up all my soldiers and all all the wrestlers gather them together and i want you to find out who it is that has become a christian and come back and tell me who it is. And so he gathered up, Vespasian went and he gathered up all the armies and the 40 wrestlers were among them. And he said, who is it among you that have become a Christian? Step forward. And the only ones that stepped forward were the 40 wrestlers that wrestled for Nero. And he said, no, it's a mistake. Step back. You don't know what you're doing. Step back. Because Vespasian went on to say, I know that if you truly are become Christians, and I know that no Christian, once he's become one, will ever deny Jesus Christ. Step back. And they said, we can't step back. And so he went back and he told Nero everything that happened and Nero said okay then here's what you're going to do you're going to take those men those 40 wrestlers you're going to march them out on a frozen lake and you're going to build a fire for them and you're going to strip them completely of everything no clothing at all on them and you're going to send them out at the fire and you're going to leave them there all night until one by one they realize they've made a mistake and they'll come back to the shore where you're waiting and surely they will, surely they'll realize they made a mistake and they'll come back. So that night, Vespasian took the 40 soldiers, I'm sure he had other men with him. He marched those soldiers out onto the ice, a fire was made and he stood on the shore and he heard singing because there was a song they always sung to Nero and the song was, Oh, how's it go now? You know how you have a, a memory. Um, uh, victory, he, they sang, um, oh, come on. Um, something like, uh, unto, oh, here's how it goes. Unto thee, O king, we win the victory for thee and for us that we may win the victor's crown. That was what they sung to Nero every time they went out into the arena. But now in the dark of night, you could hear the voice of those men saying, 40 wrestlers, that's how it goes, 40 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O king, that we may win for thee the victory 
and for thee and for us, the victor's crown. And they sung that song all night. And they in this the sound was getting fainter and fainter. The men were succumbing to the freezing. And then close to the end of the night, there came a body slithering on the ice toward Vespasian. And Vespasian looked at him and in the distance, a faint cry, 39 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, that we may win for thee the victory and win the victor's crown. And upon hearing that, Vespasian took off all of his clothes naked and he went out to those men and joined them on the ice. And it was said that moments later, there was a sound sung, 40 wrestlers wrestling for thee, O Christ, that we may win for thee the victor's crown. And that we may win for thee the victory and for us the victor's crown until there was no more sound and they all went into heaven. And I tell you something, I'm gonna, I wanna stand with them. And I was telling somebody, I said, you see though, I wanna stand with them. You know, the word martyr means witness, but it also has another meaning, those that die for that witness. So even if you live and you have a heart attack and die or somehow you die before the rapture happens, you can sing that song. You can sing that song now because are we not wrestlers for Christ? Are we not soldiers for Jesus Christ? Are we not God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the works that Christ hath ordained for us to walk in before the world began? What is this world anyways? We make so much of it. And yes, it's a painful place. Yes, there's so much we have to think of. There's so much, it's a war. Even Job said, there is no discharge from this war. But yet in another place, Job said, as long as I, as long as it takes, I will wait until my change comes. I love that song. I'm so glad I remembered to say the words. Got it mixed up. But you know what? Think about that. I have this image in my mind. Not because I think I'm worthy to stand with people like that. I am zero worthy. I'm weak. We're all weak. There's no one strong. If we're strong, it's his life that's strong in us. But we're all weak. But I'll tell you something. I want us to win that victory. Are you not my apostleship? I'm no apostle, but in saying so that in my little, this little green pasture, I say, are you not my work in the Lord? Are you not my seal of apostleship in the Lord? You know, I would rather die and not, then not preach the gospel and make my glorying void because my glory is in Christ. He's like, look, whether anything happens to me, whether I'm fed or not fed, whether I have a roof over my head or not, woe is me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? When you have a real revelation, and you enter into the reality that we are passing through this world, there is a, also a joy. There is a work that enters into you, not just a uh, an empty vine, uh, 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 just kind of dragging through the life, but there's a life and a work that God has called all of us into. Don't you want that? I know you do. Let me just tell you right now, if you really want that, you go to him and you tell him and you be honest with him like I did. I told you at the beginning of this talking with you that I was honest with him. And you know what? Every time God has ever really moved in my life is when I cut cut the fat off. And I've just said, listen, this is what I want. And I'm not talking I want a new car. I want a Tahiti vacation. I'm talking, Lord, use me whichever way you want. Show me what you want me to do. And in the meantime, I was doing things like folding towels, mopping floors, vacuuming the house, raking leaves in my backyard, whatever. Giving a word in season, being instant in season, out of season. Even during the worst times of my life, when I was sobbing all night, but somebody needed prayer. I'm not putting myself up. 
I was like, I was going and going and going. You know why? Because of that grip that was on me. And if that grip and you feel that grip upon you, take it to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure there is a call on your life and you need to go to him and you need to have him send you and show you and lead you and guide you every footstep of the way because and he wants you to be serious and he wants you to be sincere but he wants you to also have understanding about knowing how to wait for him being sensitive to the holy spirit and invest yourself in this because with the more of you of this that you have the more he can use you you know this young lady she wrote to me this is in closing and this is not to you know i'm not using her to put an example on her but somebody wrote to me and i love charles spurgeon i know he was a calvinist and i'm not a calvinist at all um and she said, you know, I'm only two years in the word and I just two years in the Lord. And I just I've been watching you and thank you. And she was very nice. And she said, um, but she started to like she went into this confrontation. I mean, instant confrontation. Um, that wasn't nice, you know, and but that's youth. I've been there myself. And that's why we have grace for the younger ones. But she said, I saw that you quoted Spurgeon and he's a Calvinist and he's demon possessed and he's a wolf and he's and she was calling him the worst names and i thought i don't have any answer for you i just basically wrote back and said um it'll be okay it's it's fine and then she wrote back you're supporting a lying heresy doctrine you know look when you're really young you are all full of flames and you need to learn how to love that doesn't mean um you know you got to put away peter's sword <laughs> You got to be careful, but we've all been there and we have to have grace one for another. And I do wish her well. She's a little sister and I know she is a blessing to the Lord. She means well. So with that being said, go to the Lord. He has work for you to do and he will be the one that will put a grip on you that you will say, I don't care what happens around me. I'm the servant. friend." of Jesus Christ, my savior, my Lord, and my best friend.